I'm Father Ron Shibley, founder and director of the Anglican Internet Church, and I welcome you to episode 41 in the fourth edition of the AIC Bible Study video series, The New Testament Gospels. At the end of the episode, I'll point out where material discussed in episode 41 appears in the AIC bookstore publication, The Gospel of John, Annotated and Illustrated. In this episode, I continue with part three of seven in my discussion of unique themes, details, and events in the Gospel of St. John. In episode 41, continuing the focus on unique details, I will focus on two topics, the relationship between Jesus and his Father, and offer part one of two on St. John's unique mentions of places and people including Samaria and Cana, and references to the Samaritan woman, Nathaniel, Thomas, Philip, and Andrew. The illustration is John writing his gospel, an illumination in tempera and gold on parchment from the Codex Aureus of Canterbury, also known as the Codex Aureus of Stockholm, produced near Canterbury, England in the 8th century, and after a colorful history of ownership, it has resided at the Royal Library of Sweden in Stockholm, Sweden, since 1705 A.D. Jesus' relationship with his heavenly Father and the right to call his Father our Father, which Jesus gave the faithful in the Lord's Prayer, appears in the Synoptic Gospels, but it is only in the Gospel of John that the relationship is explained extensively in the words of Jesus himself. In Strong's exhaustive concordance, the entries in the King James Version in which Jesus speaks of his Father in the Synoptic Gospels does not fill a single column. While for the Gospel of St. John, far more than one column is needed to detail these same references, well more than the total number of entries for the three synoptic gospels combined. The illustration, Teaching the Disciples the Lord's Prayer, is a watercolor over graphite on gray wove paper by James Tissot, painted between 1886 and 1894, part of the Life of Christ series at the Brooklyn Museum, Brooklyn, New York. In the Gospels of St. Matthew, particularly Matthew 11:27 and St. Luke in Luke 10:22, Jesus speaks of authority, quote, delivered, unquote, to him by the Father. In a dialogue with Pharisees, which followed the healing of the man born blind in John 5:19 to 22, Jesus offers divine instruction on the concept of God the Father and God the Son as one working together and of Jesus in his role as the designated judge of mankind. These and other verses are part of the reason St. John is called John the Theologian in the Eastern Church tradition. The Jesus as judge concept was incorporated into the Nicene Creed. The dialogue also illustrates the truth versus falsehood theme discussed in episode 40. The illustrations are two early 13th century illuminations, God the Father and God the Son, and Christ in Majesty with symbols of the four gospel authors, 
Both are illuminations in tempera and colored inks on parchment from a psalter made near Oxford, England, from manuscript Royal 1DX, with X being the Roman letter 10, British Library, London, England. Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. In verses 30, 31, and 32 in the same dialogue, the concept of Jesus as the judge of all is reintroduced and further reference is made to the spiritual theme of truth versus false or truth versus falsehood. I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will but the will of the Father who sent me. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another who bears witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. The illustration is another Christ in majesty, depicting Christ enthroned, this time with a chorus of virgins and martyrs, and the symbols Alpha and Omega, and the cross, and a visible wound in his side. It is a miniature illumination in colored inks and gilt on parchment from the Athelstan Psalter, made for the Bishop of Winchester, England, in Liège, Belgium, in 924 A.D. It comes from manuscript Cotton Galba A. 18 in Roman letters, folio 21R, British Library, London, England. The document was later given to Athelstan, the King of Wessex, England, thus its name. The next topic is the role of the Son in the salvation of mankind. Following soon after the feeding of the 5,000, discussed in episode 10 in the context of the Gospel of St. Mark, and episode 39 in the context of the Gospel of St. John, the accounts of Jesus walking on water discussed in episode 9 in the context of the Gospel of St. Mark and episode 39 in the context of the Gospel of St. John, in the I Am the Bread of Life declaration discussed in episode 30 and 31, both in the context of the Gospel of John, Jesus spoke at a synagogue in Capernaum and again refers to the concept of eternal life for those who believe in him and accept him as the bread of life, saying this in John 6.57 in the context of the manna or bread from heaven. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. The illustration is a detail from a Holy Eucharist stained glass window by Mayor of Munich at St. Joseph's Villa Chapel, Richmond, Virginia, from the AIC bookstore publication, Paintings on Light. 
There was heated disagreement from the Pharisees, and Jesus knew that even some of the disciples did not understand. He made the meaning clear in verses 62 through 66. Does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe him. And he said, Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by my Father. An explanation of the concept of faith granted by the Father, formerly called the Doctrine of Grace, is found in the bookstore publication Beliefs of the Anglican Church on pages 77 to 78. The illustration is the Savior, a temper and guilt-on panel icon from the early 15th century by noted Russian artist Andrei Rubelyov, painted for the iconostasis at the Cathedral of the Dormition in Zvenigorod, Russia, from the collection of the Tretyakov Gallery in Moscow. John reports in verse 66 that this statement was not accepted by all. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Reformers in the modern church still do not agree with what he said and attempt to disavow his claim in the name of inclusiveness. In Eastern church teaching, the phrase walked with him no more is sometimes used to describe those who have abandoned traditional Christian doctrine, especially the doctrine of the presence of Christ in the Holy Eucharist. In chapter 7, St. John's account of Jesus' teaching in Jerusalem at the Feast of Tabernacles, there is more on the father-son relationship, as well as more implied criticism of the self-righteousness of the Pharisees who had followed Jesus and questioned his authority, and still more on St. John's theme of true versus false. My doctrine is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone will to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God and whether, or whether I speak of my own authority. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. The illustration is a very large mosaic of Christ holding a jeweled gospel making the sign of a blessing in the eastern end of the South Gallery at the Hagia Sophia, Constantinople, now Istanbul, Turkey. Other figures in the mosaic, but not shown in the illustration, are the Byzantine Emperor Constantine IX, Monomachus, and his wife Zoe. The mosaic was added to the 6th century basilica in the 11th century. Nowhere else in the Gospels do you hear such a clear explanation of his relationship with his father than in John chapter 12, St. John's account of events on the evening of Monday Thursday before his betrayal and arrest. It was Jesus' last public speech. He who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me sees him who sent me. 
For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak, and I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father told me, so I speak. The illustration is again God the Father and God the Son, a 13th century illumination from a Psalter made at Oxford, used earlier in this episode, from the collection of the British Library, London, England. In the illustration, God the Father and God the Son, the English artists who prepared the manuscript have avoided violating the ancient church prohibition against depictions of God the Father by presenting God the Father and God the Son as duplicate or mirror images. Only St. John reports in chapter 18, verses 7 to 9, on Jesus' concern that none of that which had been given him by his Father should be lost. Then he asked them again, Whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled which he spoke, of those whom you gave me, I have lost none. The illustration is the arrest of Jesus, an illumination in temper and gold on parchment from the Codex Egberti, made in the late 10th century for Egbert, Bishop of Trier, from the Wissenschaftliche Bibliothek der Stadt Trier, formerly called the Trier City Library, Trier, Germany. In the, lower, in the lower left of the image, Peter cuts off the ear of Malchus. There is more detail on this scene from John 18.10 in episode 43. The concept of none given by the Father being lost refers back to two other incidents in St. John's Gospel. The first is John 6.39, spoken by Jesus himself. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. This is one of many references by Jesus in the Gospel of John concerning being raised up or lifted up that many consider to be prophetic. I discuss the topic in more detail in episode 43. The second reference to losing nothing is found in John 17, verse 12, in which Jesus is praying to the Father concerning the disciples on the eve of his arrest. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me have I kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. I come back to who is meant by the phrase son of perdition and that the scripture might be fulfilled in episode 45. I turn next to two other sets of unique details in the Gospel of St. John with part one of two on his references to places and people including Samaria and Cana and his unique references to the Samaritan woman and the apostles Nathaniel, Thomas, Philip, and Andrew. The illustration, John writing his gospel, is from the Bible Historiale, published at Paris around 1420 A.D., from Manuscript Additional 18856, Folio 3B, 3V, in the British Library, London, England. 
Samaria was one of three provinces of the Roman world in the Holy Land in the first century. Galilee in the north, Samaria in the middle, Judea in the south, as shown on the map, the Holy Land at the time of the Gospels and Acts. The residents of Samaria are called Samaritan rather than Samarians. Samaritans were discussed earlier in episode 17 in the context of the parable of the Good Samaritan in the Gospel of St. Luke, and again in episode 29 in the context of Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well of Jacob. The relationship between Samaria and the Jews was always strained. It was often outright hostile on both sides. For Samaritans, the only holy book from the Jewish tradition was the five books of Moses, or Pentateuch in the Septuagint Greek naming. A scroll of the five books survives today among the remaining Samaritans in the Holy Land near the modern West Bank town of Nablus, adjacent to their holy mountain, Mount Gerusalem, where they offered sacrifices to the one almighty God and where they still celebrate Passover. Jews regarded Samaritans as unclean and even pagan. Often extreme measures were taken to avoid contact, such as travel from Galilee to Judea only by way of the east side of the Jordan, then crossing back over south of Samaria, or the rejecting of the Samaritan offer of financial aid in rebuilding the temple after the Jews returned from Babylon. Of the 14 references to Samaria, Samaritan, and Samaritans in the New Testament, only one is found in the Gospel of St. Matthew, four in the Gospel of St. Luke, three of which are related to the parable of the Good Samaritan. All the others are in the Gospel of John. The most famous reference to Samaria is found in St. John's account of Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman, at the well of Jacob, or well of Sichar, recounted in John 4, 1-26, and shown in the illustration, a Byzantine-style 5th-century mosaic at Ravenna, Italy. She is called St. Photina, which means the Enlightened One. The importance of the event in Christian teaching is that it was to a Samaritan, from the group reviled by the Jews and not one of the chosen people, to whom Jesus first revealed himself as the Messiah. The parallel in the Gospel of St. Luke is the parable of the Good Samaritan, in which it was the Samaritan and not either the priest or the Levite who did the right thing, or that which was consistent with Old Testament scriptural doctrine. Only St. John reports in 848 that the Jews, here meaning one of the Pharisees, who accused Jesus of doing the works of the devil, says, Do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? I discussed this accusation, part of the lead-up to the Before Abraham Was I Am declaration, in episode 33. The illustration is the Pharisees questioned Jesus, another late 19th century opaque watercolor by James Tissot, from the Brooklyn Museum. Another unique detail in the Gospel of St. John is his four references to the village of Cana in Galilee. Three of these four are part of his account of two signs, the wedding at Cana, discussed in episode 36, 
and the healing of the nobleman's son in episode 37, and once as the birthplace of the apostle Nathaniel in John 21, verse 2. Among the unique mentions of people in the Gospel of St. John is his six references to Nathaniel. When Nathaniel's friend Philip announced that he had found the Messiah, Nathaniel said, Can anything good come out of Nazareth in John 1, verse 46? reflecting the prevailing low opinion of Nazareth by Jews in the early first century. Philip invited Nathaniel to, quote, come and see, unquote. The illustration is a detail from Nathaniel under the fig tree by James Tissot. Jesus then paid Nathaniel a very high compliment, referring to Nathaniel, quote, as an Israelite in whom there is no deceit in John 1:47. A puzzled Nathanael asked Jesus how he knew him, and Jesus recalls having seen Philip under a fig tree, brought from Nathanael his own identification of Jesus as Son of God and King of Israel in John 1, verse 50. Jesus promised Nathanael that he would see, quote, greater things than these, and that he would see the ascension of the Son of Man, in John 1, verses 50b and 51. Based upon the traditional understanding that Hebrews of that period were usually known by two names, examples Simon Peter, discussed in episode 42, the majority of scholars assume that St. John's apostle Nathaniel is the same man called Bartholomew in the list of disciples in the Synoptic Gospels. The illustration is James Tissot's watercolor of Bartholomew. The Apostle Thomas is referred to once each in the list of disciples in the Synoptics, but is given a prominent place only in St. John's Gospel. Only in St. John's account is he called Didymus, which means twin. Thomas speaks in St. John's Gospel in three scenes, first in John 11 verse 16, he offers to, to die with Christ in the encounter at Bethany leading up to the raising of Lazarus discussed in episode 38. The illustration, Thomas, is another watercolor by James Tissot. In the second instance, in John 14 verse 5, he does not understand what Jesus meant about where he was going when he announced he would be leaving them in the account leading up to I am the way, the truth and the life declaration discussed in episode 35. Thomas's major role occurs near the end of St. John's Gospel. St. John reports that Thomas, eight days before Jesus' post-resurrection appearance in the upper room, Thomas, having heard of Jesus' post-resurrection appearance to some of them, earned the unflattering nickname Doubting Thomas when he said in John 20, verse 25, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into his side, I will not believe. The illustration, the disbelief of Thomas, is a late 19th century stained glass window. The identity of the artist is not specified, but it is thought to be somewhere in England. In the Gospel of St. John, other disciples had doubts and even spoke them aloud, including Philip, Andrew, and Peter, 
but only St. Thomas is remembered as doubting Thomas. St. Peter, even though he expressed the same kind of doubts, has been spared that disparaging title. Even in secular society, people are criticized for being a doubting Thomas. With the remaining 11 disciples all present in the upper room, including Thomas, Jesus said to him in John 20, verse 27, Reach your finger here and look at my hands, and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas did as he was invited to do and then declared in verse 28, My Lord and my God. His affirmation is one of the clearest acknowledgments in the Gospels of the divinity and identity of Jesus. The illustration, Doubting Thomas Touching Jesus' Wound, is another miniature illumination from the Oxford Psalter cited earlier from Manuscript Royal 1DX, Folio 7B, in the British Library, London, England. Jesus replied to Thomas with a theological teaching and a beatitude in verse 29. Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. The illustration, the incredulity of Thomas, is a temper and gold on panel icon made in the early 14th century A.D., at St. Mary Perivleptic Church in Orid, Republic of North Macedonia. Thomas appears one more time in a non-speaking part in one of the unique events discussed in episode 43, Jesus' seaside meal with the disciples in John 21, verses 1 to 14. St. John offers other details concerning the disciples Andrew and Philip, who have major speaking parts only in St. John's Gospel. Andrew was the first to, quote, find Jesus and took his brother Simon Peter to see him in John 1.41. Two verses later in that encounter, St. John reports Jesus speaking directly to Philip in 1.43, giving him instruction, follow me. The illustration is a 14th century icon of St. Andrew in tempera and gold on panel from Macedonia in the collection of the Walters Art Gallery, Baltimore, Maryland. Only in St. John's Gospel are Philip, Peter, and Andrew identified as having been born in Bethsaida, a city on the east side of the Sea of Galilee near where the feeding of the 5,000 is thought to have taken place. I discussed that feeding of the 5,000 in episode 10 based on St. Mark's account and episode 39 based on St. John's, which records Andrew's only speaking role in the Gospels. After meeting Jesus, St. John records Philip finding Nathanael of Cana, to whom he identifies Jesus as the Messiah, which was discussed earlier in the context of the wedding at Cana, in episode 36. The illustration is a late 19th century watercolor of Andrew by James Tissot from the Brooklyn Museum. Discussion of unique details continues in episode 42. 
Other AIC resources are available at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net where you'll find Christian education videos linked from the digital library page, Bible study videos from the Bible study page, and podcasts from the podcast archive page, and AIC bookstore publications linked using the virtual bookstore link at the bottom of the home page. Items of interest for episode 41 are from the Lives of the Saints. St. Andrew is the focus of episode 1, Thomas of episode 2, John of 4, Mark of 7, Philip of 8, Peter of 11, Nathaniel Bartholomew in episode 13, Matthew in 14, and St. Luke in 15. From the AIC Christian Education video series, The Lord's Prayer, the origin, text, and meaning are discussed in three episodes. From the AIC Bookstore publication, The Gospel of John Annotated and Illustrated, the Jesus-Father relationship is discussed in chapters 5, 6, 7, 12, and 18. The unique mentions of Samaria and Cana in chapters 4 and 8 and unique mentions of and dialogues with the Apostles Nathaniel, Thomas, Philip, and Andrew in chapters 1, 11, 14, 20, and 21. From Layman's Lexicon, words and phrases of interest are Abba, Alpha and Omega, Beatitudes, Eucharist, Father, I Am, Lord's Prayer, Maundy Thursday, Miracles, Pharisees, Salvation, Synoptic Gospels, and finally, Truth. In Christian Spirituality and Anglican Perspective, I explore the importance of understanding the first principle of Christian spirituality, which is a duality, acceptance of the reality of evil in the world and the Christian truth as its only antidote. Finally, there's Father Ron's blog, which is available using links at the top and the bottom of each page. Entries usually include an illustration. The direct URL address is www.anglicaninternetchurch.net with blog in right slash blog with blog in lowercase letters only. Further, by clicking the Follow Anglican Internet Church legend in the right-hand column, and afterward entering your email address, you can register to receive notice of each new posting from our site host, wordpress.com. Please be assured that we do not share information with any other organization. Thank you for joining me for episode 41. Next time in episode 42, I continue with part 4 of 7 in Unique Themes, Details, and Events in the Gospel of St. John. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Glory be to God for all things. Amen. This program has been a presentation of the Anglican Internet Church. We invite you to visit our website and use its resources at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net.